Welcome to the Dare to Move podcast. I'm your host, Garrett Wood, and this is a high energy show. This season, season three, we're talking all things team, collaboration, and how to take aligned action after the stillness work. Tune in for passionate conversations from trailblazers and innovators, my own personal coaching insights, and honestly, who knows? Because this show is where anything goes. It's unscripted and all for you. What's up, guys? Today is officially my due date. And what better guest to have on than two women who have truly prepared me more than I realized I could be prepared for birth. Um, I'm going to try to not make this intro too long, but I do think some of a little more background on my experience um, in pregnancy so far with my first, you know, being a first time mom will give you guys a little bit more color as to why I asked the various questions that I did ask and where I chose to focus to very wise women for, you know, the next 90 some minutes because these two women, Emily Silver and Jamie O'Day, the co-founders of Nurture by Naps, could talk about anything. We could talk about the cultural issues within pregnancy. We could talk about disparities in the healthcare system. We could talk about prenatal stuff specifically. We could talk about labor and delivery. I mean, the list goes on. Um, So I guess in case there are new listeners to this podcast, hi, I'm Garrett. I am the host. I've uh, started the show at the end of 2018. So we're just about that two and a half year mark and I love it. I'm a very curious person um, by nature. I studied journalism in college and this has been one of the ways that I I give free content. Um, I started out as a, a blogger when I started my business, uh, Crossroads of Fitness in 2014 and I would do two to three blogs a week. Uh, at the time, it was mostly focused on mindset um, for health and, and nutrition and fat loss specifically, and then it shifted into mindset. And then instead of blogging and writing newsletters and Instagram posts, I really just kind of found my voice here. And this is where I love to give to the world. So again, curious person. Uh, we talk entrepreneurship on the show. We spent all of 2020 talking about stillness, going within, understanding who you are before uh, what you do <laughs> and how we can take aligned action. So when I'm not solo casting, I am talking to everyone from incredibly inspiring, passionate co-founders like the two women you're going to hear from today to psychics, to intuitives, to other mindset coaches. Um, the list goes on. I mean, we've had self-made billionaires. Um, we've had some really spiritual people on. We've had pe- gut health experts. And everyone is that comes onto the show is here to help people who may share something in common with me or the spirit of our times. And there's a lot going on right now. So today we're honing in on pregnancy. Now, my experience with pregnancy has been that I'm very lucky. Uh, No major health concerns aside from my asthma, which has been a little challenged um, more than usual in this pregnancy. Um, Logistically, I had to go to my Boston OB, even though when I got pregnant, we'd already moved full time to New Hampshire 
based on the fact that a practice up here would not see me um, or help me get some medical attention that I needed for, <laughs> if you're an OG listener, when my teeth got knocked out last summer. Um, they got knocked out when I was, um, th- well, technically I wasn't pregnant yet, but when I was four and a half and five and six weeks pregnant, I had to do a series of procedures that I needed an OB to sign off on because I was pregnant. Nobody in New Hampshire would do that, <laughs> so Boston would. So I went to Boston. Um, I went to Tufts. I then went to um, a really amazing um, office in Indianapolis for an, uh, my 28-week appointment. And since 30 weeks, I've been seeing um, some a group of doctors here in New Hampshire. And um, coming from a family full of doctors, I had very high expectations, and they have not been met throughout this pregnancy. So it's really been the incredible educators and um, I know I keep saying this, but wise women like Emily and Jamie who have prepared me and Jeff for all that is pregnancy, especially the third trimester, uh, preparing for birth, preparing the nest, so to speak, uh, for when uh, the baby arrives and, and all that comes after. I mean, there's so much I didn't know from feeding schedules to the challenges and trials with um, breastfeeding and sleep and and all of that. And so today we're going to kind of hit pregnancy and labor and delivery and postpartum in all the ways that we can. And of course, entrepreneurship, because we always talk about that with any courageous people who are paving their own way, starting their own companies. But um, it's not, you know, it's not everything. It's not all inclusive. And if you are pregnant or you're thinking about getting pregnant, I cannot recommend their online course. It's a virtual platform, the Nurture by Naps, anymore. Honestly, I had been on an online course um, from a doula that was great and it was thorough. It was a lot of info. Um, But there's something about the delivery of Nurture by Naps that has been really easy to follow. And I also have been investigating and and going through those videos and learning after having the finance, not the financial, the boot camp class that they provided. Um, Jeff and I did that at the end of February. And any uh, women out there listening to this, it's really hard to gather. I don't know about you guys, but I will gather info on Instagram and I'll save posts and then I'll send some to Jeff and I'll be like, hey, you got to watch this one. Hey, you got to watch that one. And they're just these random one off, you know, 30 second to one minute videos, which are great and helpful. But, you know, Jeff is one of those people. And I think a lot of people are like this who has to sit down and be totally present to really learn something. So for him, he was actually very excited to block out five hours on a Saturday and a Sunday to do the baby boot camp with Jamie and Emily and their um, team. And that way we got to learn the information at the same time together, do some of the exercises together that they had us do. And between that, having our baby shower the next weekend, and then having this online course, I am like, I I really feel like I didn't even need the doctor. I'm not sure what the doctor has done at this point, aside from the gestational diabetes test and the anatomy scan. And nothing against OBs if you're listening and you are an OB. I just personally have had sort of a, a weird experience. Um, I, I guess it feels weird to me. Um, No one's talked to me about COVID. No one's talked to me about until 30 weeks, my asthma, 
Um, it's actually been a pulmonologist who's been advocating for me. And so obviously I, I have a little bit of a jaded view on the medical system right now, but my hope is that in the future, uh, I'll have a better experience with future pregnancies. And um, my hope today is that if anyone is in the place I'm in where they feel like, I have so much to learn, but I don't know where and I don't know how I can really feel prepared. I hope this episode finds you. I really do. And I know Jamie and Emily are going to share it out and use this as a resource, but they are such smart, educated, talented women, and they are nurse practitioners. So they have um, a ton of experience in the medical space, in hospitals, on the labor and delivery floor. Um, And aside from everything that they already do, like they have firsthand experience with all of this. So I love that I was able to cross check between what I was learning from doulas and Instagram with two medical professionals. And I hope that this gives you guys some solace if there are any questions you had about pregnancy, about postpartum, about delivery, because there's a lot out there and they put, they're just very real and very raw and very honest. And it's just so nice to have that in the back of your head and they both talk a lot about mindset which you guys know is is such a theme for us on this podcast and they're a great team which we are exploring this year teamwork and collaboration so there is a link in the show notes to join the nurture by naps online virtual platform for learning and i truly hope that you guys will do that because again it has been the thing that has made me feel at peace and ready to go uh for my uh experience my my this pregnancy and uh, and beyond so huge thank you to Emily and Jamie for giving us their time if you guys love them like I do stay tuned because they have a podcast coming out and I am just really pumped for it because they're again wealth of they're a wealth of knowledge they've got a ton of content and they're just funny real people so you'll remember their stories you'll remember their advice and feel comforted in the middle of the night when your brain starts to go haywire and you're pregnant wondering all about all the what ifs they put a lot of that stuff to bed so um lean in enjoy this conversation whether you are like out on a pregnancy walk or you're thinking about getting pregnant um or you're driving your car. I hope this finds you well. Thank you so much for tuning in. Thank you to Emily and Jamie. And without further ado, here they are. All right. Welcome, Emily and Jamie. How are you guys today? Hi, Garrett. We're good. How are you? Doing good. Thanks so much for having us. I'm doing great. And I'm ready to just ask you guys as, um, as many questions as I possibly can today. <laughs> Very big agenda. Um, But we're going to start with the quote that you guys shared, which I love. It's just the perfect way to set the tone for today. Uh, And the quote is by Jill Churchill. And it is, there's no one way to be a perfect mother. And there's a million ways to be a good one. So I would love to just hear from you guys what that means to you. I mean, I love that quote because I am totally somebody who identifies as a perfectionist. Um, and, and I'm not in like a type a way. It's just like, I really, it really bothers me when I know that I can do better. It really bothers me. Like when I make a mistake in my personal life or when I'm raising my kids or in our business, like Emily can totally attest to this. Um, and, and I think it's a really good reminder that striving for perfection is just setting yourself up for failure, but striving to be 
just a little bit better every day, whether that's as a parent or as a business partner or as a mother or as a partner, that's actually setting yourself up for success, right? And the way that you decide that you're going to do better and be better is going to be vastly different from any other person who you meet in your life, from the person sitting next to you to a family member or friend or stranger on the street, right? Um, And so not only is it getting us away from this goal of perfectionism, but it's also getting us into this mindset of understanding that how we define what's good, right? Like what's a good parent, we get to decide what that definition is. Mm -hmm. And we get to strive to, to that goal based on whatever our own definition of it is. And I think that that's super empowering. Um, and knowing that it's, that it's, your journey is always going to look different and that that's okay. Hmm. I love that. Emily, what would I you like slightly different than yours, which yeah. is funny. Cause I'm not at all a perfectionist. Like I'm discombobulated half the time, but I'm really hard on myself as a mom or as a friend or as a wife or as a business partner, I can like beat myself up and be, so I'm not trying to be perfect, but I'm just can be very hard on myself and set these unrealistic expectations or then focus on negative things or things that I wish I could be doing better. So that quote makes me remember that there's just a million ways to be doing things right. And so then when I'm like, it just brings me out of it, instead of being hard on myself or setting like unreal, unrealistic expectations, it's like, what am I doing right? Cause I'm not doing everything wrong. Like, and it just refocuses my thought process of like, I'm sure I could name a couple things that I did well today that made me like a good friend, a good wife, a good business partner, like just simple stuff. Mm, I love both of those takes. And, you know, a lot of the listeners tune into the show for mindset um, advice. So I love that you just kicked off, kicked us off from that perspective. Um, and Jamie, what you were saying, it's like, we have sovereignty and that's been such a topic on this podcast that we decide not like looking for, you know, what the world's doing in comparison. And you guys really drove that message home for me and my fiance when we did your boot camp recently. And, you know, we're going to get into all those things today and all the wisdom that you guys provide to the world. And before we do though, I think it would be fun to, for each of you to just share who you are. Um, they could obviously look up your professional bios in like the show notes, but who are you guys as people, uh, before work? Yeah. It's so together. (laughs) I know. It's also so hard to think about it. Right. Like, look, I, I actually think about this often, like my life before, you know, getting married and having kids. Um, like what did I do for fun? You know, who was I? Um, because it feels like it was so long ago and it kind of is at this point, I guess. But, um, you know, I would say that I am somebody who, um, has, I've always, probably taken the path of most resistance. (laughs) Um, I've always sort of blazed my own trail. Um, You know, I can remember this from a really young age. I actually recently posted, I forget what it was, maybe the day of the girl um, on social media. And it was, you know, and, and I'm raising three girls, right? So I have three girls that are six, four, and two. And so I think a lot about raising the next generation of women. Um, but I was like reflecting back on my childhood of like when I could remember as a girl, like looking, you know, looking at the world differently or acting a little bit differently. And, and I posted about this recently, but 
I can remember as early as kindergarten, my kindergarten teacher brought my parents in for a parent teacher conference because I was playing blocks with the boys and, and not dolls with the girls. And mm. she viewed that as a problem. Wow. I was, I was born in the 1980s. So it wasn't like that big of a, it shouldn't have been that big of a problem, but, um, and I, and I thankfully were raised by two parents who basically told this teacher to go screw. Um, and, and, but that was like my first like memory, my first encounter of being like, wait a second, like girls are supposed to be a certain way and I'm not acting like the other girls. Um, and, and I, that carried me through into, you know, my adolescence and like adulthood as being like, I, I was an athlete and so I played sports and I think that's such a great, uh, you know, outlet for everybody, but, um, you know, for everybody who enjoys sports, but especially women, because I think it does give you this um, sense of empowerment, um, and a place in the world and, um, being able to be a leader. Um, you know, there's so much about sports that I think, you know, you're talking about leadership in a sense. Um, and, and I did, you know, I encountered obviously a lot of people along the way who, <laughs> you know, you know, really who, who were really big advocates for me, um, and mentors and other people who, really challenged me in ways that like made me question, you know, myself and my abilities and things like that. Those people ended up serving a purpose in my life, right? Because they really lit a fire under my ass. Um, I hope we can swear on this podcast. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. um, and, and, and then into my professional life as a nurse, it was the same thing, right? Like I really, you know, I started off working, I, I refused to go into med surge, which is like basically the medical floor, which they beat into the ground to you in nursing school that you have to work on a medical floor. I was like, I'm not doing that. I don't want to. Right. So I took my first job on labor and delivery. Um, and I worked at this awesome hospital, um, and sort of weaseled my way in eventually to Beth Israel here in Boston. Um, she really weaseled around. Oh, I really she, weaseled like, my way she in. Called, I, Cause I worked on the unit at the time. She called the nurse manager every day Oh yeah. for weeks. Yeah. And finally the nurse manager brought her in for an interview. Cause she was like, I want to meet the nurse who's called my voicemail every day for three weeks. Yeah. Like I got wow. her line through, I, love that. But I still will not disclose. Um, <laughs> uh, but yeah. So anyway, like I'm definitely, you know, this is my long-winded way of saying like I I've known I feel like I've been the person who like really does know what I want and have and have gone after it. And there are obviously times where you, I've deviated from that. Um, but it was the same thing with you know nursing or career nursing is that we're sort of always told, and I know you know you felt the same way. Like you're yeah. you're always told that you should should sort of do it a certain way, and there comes a point in time. And mine and Emily's career where we were like, well, why the fuck do we have to do it that way? You know, like I actually don't want to do it that way. I don't like doing it that way. Like I want to do it differently. Um, and so that, I think that's really what I carried over um, into my life now um, as a mom, as a wife, as a business partner, as a professional, as a nurse, mm -hmm. um, is this idea of like, just because people think the outside world, <laughs> right, mm -hmm. thinks that you should be doing something a certain way doesn't mean that you have to do it that way and really um and really going after what it is that you want um and and that's kind of what I've always done with not as much confidence as I'm talking about it right now though like it's not <laughs> it's like not that. an easy path that yeah. I've chosen um but it is definitely a path that I would not give up for anything in the world mm, that is so powerful and 
so aligned with just the energy of all the the people we tend to have on this podcast, people who are like, okay, I have this knowing I have to do this thing. It's probably going to be hard. And it may be, I might get a lot of weird questions, but I'm doing it because I'm just called to do it. So I really appreciate your perspective on that. And I'm glad you are here today. (laughs) Thank you. Emily, how about you? How would you describe yourself? No idea how you're going to answer the question. I have so many I mean, we definitely, we, our personalities and our friendship overlaps in the sense that we are the type of people that don't take no for an answer. I think that we both share like a really creative energy. And I've been like this my whole life since I'm a little kid, like making my own little businesses, (laughs) like (laughs) wanting to blaze my own trail. I don't really feel like they met a lot of resistance other than in the sense that like when people would tell me things had to be a certain way, I'm always the person that does say like, well, why does it have to be that way? And then I start thinking of like other ways that it can be done. So maybe not even like pushing for it in the time, but at least like getting my wheels spinning about it. And I feel like that's sort of how we ended up opening this business of just like, well, why can't we do this? Why isn't anybody Uh doing it? Things like that. I mean, I think the biggest theme for me my whole life is that I'm a, I, I think I'm a very like caring and nurturing person. I don't know why I'm laughing, but, um, I've always wanted to take care of people. I've always wanted to be a nurse. I did the opposite of Jamie and I like busted my ass on a med surge floor for two years before I went over to labor and delivery. Um, and it was not at all what I wanted to do, but I still like found a lot of like happiness and joy and like fun times in it and learned a lot. Yeah. Um, so I truly like truly enjoy just taking care of people. Mm. I think I've been a natural caretaker my whole life and that's been able to translate like into this role now, like through, through naps too. I mean, that's been but a blessing and a curse for you. Totally. Like <laughs> Is it, it's a curse in the sense that like I've had as I've gotten older and now I have kids in this business, I've had to learn how to like set boundaries yes. with family and friends. Because right. back when like Jamie met me before we had kids and before we were married, I never said no to anybody. Yeah. And I would drop whatever I'm doing at any time to go help others, which is a good thing. But it, a lot of times it came at my own like expense. Mm. Um, and so I've had to like really learn over the last I think like 10 years, I've been slowly working on myself here of like, when, when do I actually have to say no to people and take care of myself? Cause I got to a place where I was always taking care of other people that I was never taking care of myself. And then I just couldn't be a good caretaker for anybody. Mm. But I think it translates into like why you're so fucking good at what you do. And it's because it's Jamie, you're welcome. <laughs> um, well, it, and, and I do think that it's because like, there's nothing like motherhood become, or just becoming a parent, right? Right. That forces you into, and we talk to clients about this all the time, that forces you into like, wait a second, I actually like, can't take care of this kid without first taking care of myself. Like if I am not physically and mentally okay, then I can't take care of my child. And it's like, okay, so how do I make myself physically and mentally okay? Well, it's asking for help. It's setting boundaries. It's like relying on those people. You you help for so long to help you. And it's not something that comes naturally. You just have to constantly think about it and work on it. And some days you might get it right. And some days you're completely off the point again, but Mm. it's just not like, it's easy to talk about right now, but it's so hard. hard. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And that comes off. Like when you guys, I'm going to continue to reflect back on the bootcamp experience because I just, I can't speak more highly of it. Um, You guys cover so much of that realness in the course that like to be prepared, it's not just about knowing what type of diapers to buy or like 
how long, although it was very helpful to know, like, what should the general feeding schedule be? Um, you know, motherhood, um, for me, what I've learned is that it really does start during pregnancy. And I don't think I, that really landed for me until some natural, like instincts started to kick in with like being aware of like the kicks. Like I was always worried, like, I'm not going to pay attention to that. How will I? And then it's like, you just do. Um, and so what you guys were talking about with like this notion of, of why does it have to be this way and sort of following your gut instincts is also another huge reason. I'm so glad you guys are here. And I kind of want to segue into the topic of pregnancy and start there because when I got pregnant, someone sent me a course online and was hosted by a doula and there's sort of a rise. And I'm just saying this from a third party outsider, you know, to the, the, the space and industry of pregnancy and everything that you guys do. But, um, there's sort of a rise on Instagram from my perspective of like women coming out in an empowered way about things that are wrong with the medical system and what you should know and what they don't tell you. And almost like, I hate to say it this way because I I'm so appreciative of it, but like almost in a jaded energy. And yeah. so you get the more granola type granola types of people too, which nothing wrong with that. But then a lot of us are also still conditioned to just like go to your doctor anyway. So I was living in this space of like, okay, I've got a doula's perspective on this online course. I've got a doctor who I'll get to this in a minute, but I've seen three different practices because I moved and whatever, but none of them even like, there's been no care. There's been no support. And to put it like, just to give you an example, I'm a severe asthmatic and it took me finding a new pulmonologist to tell that told me the other day, like, you're going to need a steroid shot to give labor, like safely with your asthma. No OB has even listened to my lungs. So like haven't had a good experience medically, but in your course, I was like, oh my gosh, they are saying everything I need to hear. They're medical professionals. They are like able to teach me everything I need. And it's from a valid source. So <laughs> all of that to be said, when we started pregnancy, you guys have an awesome blog and you had seven things that like you, like we don't know about with pregnancy. And I'm going to read them briefly. And then I want you guys to kind of comment on those because it's like, how do you not, how do people not tell you this? Yeah. One of them, oh, so we have lightning crotch. We have the, <laughs> the idea that your organs are floating around in other places. Um, we have mentioned, or you guys have mentioned of the vena cava. We talk about, or you talk about the boob changes and all of that goes on that nobody prepared me for. Yeah. Um, when does your milk come in? Yeah dental issues, which I'm having in real time, uh, sex dreams, which also I've had that I'm like, I always thought it was like, I don't know, weird. Um, and I was like, wait a second, no one talked about this. So please share more about like, like what you guys see most commonly with women in pregnancy being like, is this normal? So I, if I can briefly just touch on like the first thing that you were talking about, which is related to like the messages that we're getting. Yes. Women as pregnant women, um, just in general, right. In life too. Um, I, I agree with you, Emily and I have seen the exact same trend on social media. We actually put together a pregnancy panel to address this trend, right? Like we brought together uh, OB, a midwife, a doula. Um, and I, I played the role of the labor and delivery nurse, right. Um, to just come together and be like, actually, everybody's on the same team and everybody mm -hmm. wants the same result. And the, the key is actually 
learning how to, what questions to ask, educating yourself on the different things that can come up in pregnancy and labor, um, and having a framework to open up the conversation to more, a more fluid conversation with your provider, whoever they are. Right. So I feel like what's happened is you've had this one side of the spectrum of, you know, the OB providers who are just telling you information, right. Um, and maybe not explaining things as well as they could. Um, and then you have the other side of the spectrum where who, whoever the providers are, right. Like use the example of the doula, um, providing you with information that's basically about like why our healthcare system is so fucked up and why like our providers aren't taking good care of us. Right. And nobody is talking about like where we all live, which is in the middle. Right. Yeah. You need like a little bit of the medicine and you need a little bit of like the education on like, you know, everything related to pregnancy and birth um, and how to advocate for yourself. And like Emily and I, live in the middle. Like we are the middle, right? We yeah, live, in, live the middle. in action. Like let's stop talking about it and actually right. Just address, do address something, it. Like, right? Do something. Like stop pointing fingers at everybody. Stop and scaring actually, people. Stop <laughs> scaring people. Right. Because the like, majority- do you feel scared a little bit to go into labor and delivery? I was scared about, I had like epidurals are so bad for you. And like, yet I know, you know, countless women have had them and it's fine. But like stuff was coming into my sphere that it's bad. So I was scared about that. And then currently my fear is just that the doctor that I had two days ago came in, didn't stop talking the second he walked in, walked out. And I had five questions that I was like, don't want to forget. Like I was ready to ask. He didn't even ask me how I was. He just was in and out. So like that scares me. So I'm like, ah, like he might be the one that delivers my baby. And like, you know, Mm -hmm. don't have a relationship. So mine's more like relationship based. Um, cause this practice up here in New Hampshire that you don't get to see like one doctor, but yeah. So I mean like the, so that's such a good example, right? So then the conversation that, that we have with clients and that I would have with you using that example is like, how can we actually take that scenario, right? Where you met the doctor, he talked nonstop. You didn't, you just have five questions to ask and you didn't get to ask. Did he listen to your lungs? (laughs) No. I had to go to the pulmonologist the next day, just by chance. And he, and she was like, you're wheezing. Like you realize if you went into labor tomorrow, like you would need a steroid shot. Like, we, who's your doctor? And I was like, well, I have a, like a bunch, it's like a part of a team. She's like, I'm going to walk you over there next week. I was like, okay. So, oh my gosh. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like, I think it's, you know, establishing trust. Like you should definitely trust your provider. Um, and if you don't, Emily and I will tell any client to change providers, right? Like if you don't like your pediatrician, you get a new pediatrician. Like you have to love your pediatrician. You don't have a choice, right? Mm-hmm. If you don't, if you don't love your OB or your midwife, change your midwife. If you don't I like love, your love change, going to the OB or the pediatrician. Cause I love them so much yeah, that I'll like, I want. Care, put a cute outfit on and I'll, and I'll even get a Starbucks for my, for my pediatrician on the yeah. way. And I'm like, can't wait to see you. No. <laughs> That's what I want. That's my goal. (laughs) And that's what everybody should have, right? Like there's no reason why you can't have that. You can have that. It doesn't have, you know, it depends on the practice, right? There just has to be somebody in your practice who you have that relationship with, right? Um, So it has to be establishing trust. And then when something does come up that makes you feel uncomfortable or is out of the norm, having a framework for addressing it, right? So for you, like, is it having, you know, the framework to say, if that happens again at the end of the appointment, no, 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 like, wait, wait, wait. Like, I I know that you're done, but I'm actually not done yet. So come on back. I just have five questions that I want to ask, right? 
Or is it that your friend and everybody's different, right? Like this goes back to, there's no one right way to do this. Yeah. There's a million, right. There's, but there's a million good ways. Um, or is the conversation around like, okay, no, you didn't actually feel comfortable with that provider. And you probably maybe didn't, wouldn't even even trust it as answers to those five questions. Right. So then are you actually then going to the provider at your practice who you do know, who you do trust mm -hmm. and saying like, Hey, this was my experience with this provider. Like, how do you, um, how do you suggest me handling that? And also like, these are the five questions that, that I want answered and I didn't have a chance to ask them. And I do actually want to ask them to you because I trust you. Right. Yeah. So it's just coming up with the plan and the framework to then address any things that you're worried about or concerned about in the moment. If it's something that you need to address yeah. in the moment, that's immediate. Like for example, something that happens on labor and delivery that might make you feel uncomfortable. You have to address it then. Right. That's not something that can wait until next time. Or is it something where you just have the framework to, yeah. to address it at a later date, right? Um, so I think that's the piece where we can really do better. Um, yeah. All the professionals, right, in the women's health space can do better with that, with right. not just pointing fingers and saying what's good and what's bad, but actually like providing patients with the education and framework around like how to actually have these discussions and address any issues head on in a way that actually it's, it doesn't have to be confrontational, right? Like yeah. you can have a very, a, a very normal conversation mm -hmm. around a difficult subject. Right. Yeah. Um, anyway, so, it's, so that's where I, yeah. I think that, I think that we can do a lot of really amazing work is around creating the structure and empowering patients to have these difficult conversations and, and just getting trained in how to communicate better. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's again, what I love about your course is just how you like empower women and the partners to have those conversations, advocate for advocate for yourself. And what's really come up for me is sort of this, um, pro not problem, but thing of like how I've always dealt with the medical system. I was a severe asthmatic my whole life. So the way that I just trust doctors, I have doctors in my family. It's like, oh, you go to the doctor and they take care of everything because think about it 15 years ago. I wasn't looking on Instagram about how to better take care of my asthma. I was just going to the doctor, doing what I was told. And, right. you know, maybe that was good. Maybe not. Maybe it's more empowering to have info. But one of the things that stood out to me is, you know, if it wasn't for you guys and the other, you know, resources on Instagram and things like that, I'm like, how much should women, especially pregnant women listening to this right now, how much should they be educating themselves on things like from your blog on these symptoms of like, what's normal and what's not and how much should they just, you know, blinders on go to the doctor and just be present to their own experience. Do you have a, a take on that? I mean, my initial, my initial reaction was the blurt out. You need to educate yourself. However, when you put the blinders up and gave that example, I will say that there are patients out there that I have worked with who less is more. Yeah. They're very anxious. And they're like, you know what? I trust my doctor. I don't actually want to know really a lot about labor and delivery. I'm just going to go with it. And they're fine. That's yeah. fine. Right. So I do think part of it comes down to like personality and some people like a little bit of information. Some people want the whole handbook before the baby's here. So there is that. I mean, I do think that unfortunately, like in the culture that we live in and based off the care that we provide to women in pregnancy and postpartum, that we could do it better. And because we lack in areas that other countries are much stronger in, right? Like take postpartum care, for example. When you have, when you're pregnant, you have a ton of visits 
10 ultrasounds, maybe not even that many with COVID, but, and then postpartum, you see your doctor one time, usually on average one time after giving birth. Like you grew a human for nine months, you went through the labor or not, like the birth of a child. And there's just so much that happens to your body after. I mean, you listed off all those wild things that happen in pregnancy, but like we could list off all the wild postpartum things that happen. And like the care isn't that great. It's not there. So unfortunately I do feel like you have to educate yourself on areas that like, you're going to have to advocate for yourself. Like postpartum, you're going to need someone to help you with breastfeeding or feeding your baby or, you know, sleep. You're going to probably need to see a pelvic floor physical therapist. You want to be hooked up with somebody for mental health. If you're like anxious or overwhelmed or feeling like overly sad when the baby's here. Like there's a lot of those areas that yeah. are not covered in our healthcare system. Yeah. I mean, I think it, the, the, the sort of recurring theme that keeps coming back up, right. Is like trusting yourself, right. Looking internally for validation, not externally for validation and surrounding yourself with the right people yeah. that are going to help you choose your own unique journey. Through pregnancy mm-hmm. Which and might be a little parenting. bit of information or a lot of information, right, but right. they're still going to help you like figure it out. Right. Mm. Um, and I think that's, that's what's, I think those things are the things that are most important, you know, and asking people like this goes along with the things that we listed in the blog and the things that we talk about is asking people about their like real experiences, right? Like motherhood isn't a secret society, although sometimes we treat it that way. Or I think that there's this like, there's this notion that like, you're supposed to love being pregnant and love the postpartum phase and be so in love with your baby. And (laughs) nobody wants to talk about like the changes that happen with your body that actually like make you feel really self-conscious or uncomfortable. Like the changes that I had in my boobs that I have had that are still happening with my boobs. Like I am all fucking set with, like, I hate them. (laughs) It makes me so self-conscious. Like, you know what I mean? And it's like, so that's like one of the things like on that list. I'll never forget. So my sister got pregnant before me, which just felt out of order because I'm a little bit older, but she gave birth five months before me. And then, so she was pregnant and then I became pregnant and she dead serious came at me one day and was like, Emily, you really should take a minute and go in the mirror and look at your boobs and maybe even just take a picture of them <laughs> and just admire how perky they are and how pink your areola is. Cause yeah. they're never going to look the same again. Like they're going to change. What and a I nice sister. I thought I was joking like, and laughed and like, she was dead serious. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There's but, so yeah there's like, right. It's like, there's these things. And she said that to you, like, as a secret, like in confidence, yeah, like, like just not so you know. look, right. <laughs> but like, that's how we treat motherhood, right? That's how we treat pregnancy. That's how we treat motherhood. It's like, it's kind of like this big secret. And it's like, why? Like, Actually, why like why you've been secret? pregnant has anything ever come up where another person has said to you, oh, you'll see, or yeah, you'll, you'll right. see when you're in it or, oh, yeah. just wait. Just Instead wait. of just telling you. Yeah. Yeah. Let's like, it's like, oh, you'll figure it out. Tell me what out. you mean? What? Yeah. It's, um, the boob thing really stood out to me because, um, I have not had, um, I've been lucky that I don't have stretch marks on my belly, but I have stretch marks all over my boobs. And I was like startled to the fact that I've literally had dreams about them getting worse and coming like up here because I'm just like, so 
self-conscious and then like the sagginess and all these things. I'm just like, what? No one told me that. And I'm going to ask a really, and this is a specific question, but sort of in a grand scheme of things. Um, the, the grand scheme of things question is how can women, what did, what do you guys feel like is the most supportive thing that people can do for themselves during pregnancy, or maybe like, what can they do during pregnancy to feel the, the most, um, prepared, or settled within themselves. I know that's like vague. And one of the things that I'm specifically wondering, and this is maybe going to get graphic for people, but does your vagina actually get wider when you're pregnant or no? No, no. Okay. Because I was reading something online about that and I was like, is that a thing? And I'm like, anyway, anyway, that's your labia can feel a little bit different after giving birth. Like we used to joke on labor and delivery that they're like drapes. Yeah. (laughs) Essentially. Like that kind of stuff feels different, but it, it all does go like back to where it came from. Elastic tissue. Yeah. 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 But no, like your vagina does not actually get bigger. You know, your hips maybe change and things like that, but, but no, like, yeah, (laughs) the most dramatic changes that I, that I experienced personally were not related to my vagina. Yeah. Um, Go figure. I think that's what most people probably Now, don't get me wrong. That has been other people's experiences, right? Like they have had um, changes that they have felt have been mostly to, you know, maybe their vagina or their labia because of tearing or something like that. Right. Um, but that doesn't stand out for me as like some of the, some of the biggest like physical changes. Um, you know, it's more, it's really the boot, you know, my boobs and my stomach are like the big ones, but, um, stomach ass. Hemorrhoids. <laughs> oh my God. Oh, I wish ask those little fuckers never go away. No, they don't. They fucking come out. They're very hard to get rid of. But that's what, like, that's the stuff that I feel like people just need to know is like going to be yeah. part of it. Like, I don't think I heard that until like maybe 25 weeks pregnant. I was like, wait, what? Like, yeah. oh my gosh. So is there anything you guys can point to as far as like what you guys talk to women about or what common questions you get? As far as just making sure, I don't, I hate to say like, you're doing it right. Cause that's like the thing we're working against with yeah. this, but, um, and it is so specific, but, um, with, you know, my pregnancy, it's just been like, listen to your body. I was a fitness enthusiast pre-pregnancy and there's so many things out there. You can't do this. You can't do that. And I'm like, I'm just going to listen to my body, feel it out. And so far so good. But, um, had I listened to other people that would have thrown me off. So any common questions you guys get for pregnancy support? Yeah. So, um, I feel like all the questions that we get can be sort of like summarized into the support system for yourself that you can set up for yourself during pregnancy that will last through all the parenting years mm-hmm. is surrounding yourself with the right people. So like, you know, what we're talking about you when we said that Gary, cause, cause we boot talked camp. about it in boot camp, right. Yes. But like, I think it is. And I, and we talk about this in our you know, pregnant mom survival guide support group, because it's like, you got to think about who your people are now, right? Because when you're in the thick of it, you need to lean on those people. And if you don't know who they are, you're looking at other people who you normally wouldn't rely on for good advice, for external validation and the wrong people and you mm-hmm. end up like shit, right? So it's actually surrounding yourself with the right people. And when Emily and I are talking about the right people related to supporting you in your pregnancy and, and parenting journey, um, we're really talking about like the people who you turn to for sound advice. Right. The right right people don't have to be like a whole list of medical professionals, like the right people. It's truly people that make you feel good, make you feel like a good person, like a good mom and don't judge you. 
and help you arrive at a yeah, good decision. And can give you like, yeah, some honest feedback when right. you don't really need it. So like for me, I know Emily's given, you've heard Emily's list before Garrett, but like for me, my list of people are Emily, my two sisters, our pediatric nurse practitioner, who Emily is talking about, who we like skip off Coffee. to because we love her so, so much. <laughs> um, and my friend who has had, had three kids before me, like that's, those are my people, right? Like those are the people who I'm going to call on when things are really bad or when I have a problem and I don't know how to fix it or when I really need help. Like those are the people who I'm going to ask advice to. So then all the other people, right? Whether that's, you know, you scrolling through Instagram um, or the random lady, this happens, this, I think this happens to everybody at must, but the random lady on the street who tells you your baby should really have a hat on. Oh yeah, I did that once. I was running in for a coffee from my car into the coffee shop with the car seat. And it was like a 10 second dash and somebody said yeah. something to me. Yeah. And I wanted to be like, you know, I won't say what I wanted to say. <laughs> this podcast, right. but I was just like, you're lucky you're like 90 years old. <laughs> but, it, but it's that it's like all those other people, right? Whether it's the accidental, you know, you accidentally asked somebody not in your list for advice and you were like, shit, why I just remembered why that? you're not on my list, right? Yeah. Or it's the random stranger or it's, you know, scrolling through social media. You actually have, having the list, knowing who that, knowing who those people are, it gives you permission to actually say to all the other people, you know, thanks, but no thanks, thanks, but no thanks. Yeah. 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 So I, I think that's, it's not one specific thing, right? It's not yeah. one specific question. It's actually like, how can we structure your support, your, your, your decision-making process, you know, the way that you're seeking out advice and looking for support around the people who are actually going to help you with no matter what question or decision it is, you know? Yeah. That makes so much sense because as you were describing that, I'm like, I've had those moments already in pregnancy with people oh, yeah. giving me advice that I'm like, Oh, I don't want to hear what your daughter did or what your friend did yeah. anymore. I just want to like hear from, you know, my, my people. So I think yeah. that's really good advice for people to hear. And as, um, you know, I'm, I'm going through this for the first time, I didn't really start looking into like prepping for the hospital or any of this stuff until I got to the third trimester, partly because I was traveling at the end of my second trimester, but mainly because I was in denial. I was like, I don't want to think about this. I just want to like, too. like it feels it's yeah. like too far away to prepare. Yeah. yeah. So what do you guys suggest? And this is more of like a specific kind of thing, but you guys covered it in boot camp, and I found it really helpful. Um, what do you guys always suggest for people to pack in the hospital bag? Because after going through your course, I could totally see through, um, a couple, um, like you guys talk about preparing your birth plan and all these things, but there's some women on Instagram that are influencers posting like their hospital bag. And I could be like, Oh, that's just cause you're partnered with that. Like, I don't need to bring diapers to the hospital bag. Like, you know, so anyway, yeah. we just love to kind of segue into birth. I like, like non-traditional like non yeah. pro tips, right? Yeah, yeah. Like hair ties to pull your hair back when you're pushing. Yeah. Right. Chapstick. Um, chapstick. So dry. And you're like, so dry. Yeah. Ah. Bottle with a straw. Yes, water so bottle. Yeah. Water you. Yeah, the straw is key. Um, an extra long phone, phone charger. charger. Yeah. Like because the outlets are so far back on the wall behind the hospital bed, you need a very long phone charger to actually like reach you. Yeah. And you mm. need a charger for your phone. Yeah. And then I think like the 
the other like big ones that I feel like a lot of people talk about, but just as a reminder or like definitely like a pair of like slippers or flip-flops. Yeah. You like you, you know, you may even have like some swelling after delivery. You just want shoes that you can slip on and off. Okay. Um, loose, dark, loose fitting clothing. Yeah. Um, people laugh when I say like dark. dark or black clothes because you're bleeding or you're leaking milk and like, you don't yeah. want to, you want to bleed into something that's dark, right? Like yeah. if, you're, if there's going to be some, a little bit of a mess, like having you want, dark like, really sweet shower stuff. Yes. Cause like a shower, your first shower your first after shower. giving birth yes. is amazing. Magical. It's magical. So you want like really good shampoo, conditioner, body wash, your like towel bring, from home. Yeah. Your own towel. Cause the towels are so tiny. Yes. Okay. Then, like, you like can't even wrap it around like yes. your body and yes. like tie it. Yes. <laughs> those little like at the gym yes like my whole thigh is sticking out yep uh, one towel like it's it's those things are like, like even college just, you need a shower caddy and flip-flops and a yeah. towel and those are the things that <laughs> also like you're I'm already starting to think about like how you can feel really good about yourself postpartum and like feeling really good about yourself postpartum isn't using like the shampoo that's going to leave your hair dry and the towel that's tiny and makes you feel like shit like yeah bring like the nice comfortable tower from home with all of your like nice smelling shampoos mm-hmm. and lotions mm-hmm. and feel good about yourself after that first shower, you know, I don't know. Um, yeah. So those are, I think those are the big ones. And then Emily and I didn't do this, although I know why people do, um, but bring like, bring your own pillow, maybe not to labor and delivery, but to postpartum because like the pillows that you get on the postpartum, like in the hospital in general, like plastic. Mm. Um, so it's like, if yeah. you want to like be comfortable, then I would, I would bring your own pillow. Yeah. Um, but those are the big things. I mean, and then- they give you so much there. Like yeah. you're saying these people, they're packing their bags online. They give you diapers, they give you wipes, they give you onesies. little onesies for your baby to wear while you're there. You just need an outfit for them to go home in. Yeah. Swaddling they blankets, have formula, They have binkies, they have swaddling blankets, yeah. they have hats. They give you the mesh underwear, the pads, the yes. ice packs, all the stuff that you need to take care of the situation down there. Like they give you all that stuff in yeah. the hospital. Yeah. Even that was pump, like, you don't even have to bring your breast pump to the hospital. Right. They, they mm. have them there. Like you, you can leave it. all that stuff at home. Yeah. It's so helpful too, because you guys have obviously been through it as, as humans, but it's like you, you lived it as a profession. So it's very validating for people to hear that because you just don't know and you're, you're packing and then if you go into labor quickly and you weren't prepared, you don't want to have to remember all of those things. Like I had made, which will be, you know, be good for when I get home, but some padsicles and, um, just, I had done way too much preparing and worrying about that. And you guys were like, Oh yeah, no, they'll have this for you. It's like, Oh, great. So, um, that's I mean, really helpful. I literally broke my water at four in the morning, started having contractions around 5am and then around six was like, ah, I didn't pack a hospital bag. <laughs> and I was like, had no clean laundry and I was like throwing out like random stuff in a bag. And my husband was like, what should I pack? And like, now I tell partners, I'm like, you need to pack your own bag, like yeah. get your shit together. Yeah. And I looked at my husband, I was like, I can't help you. I can only help myself right now, like figure it out. <laughs> and I had the most random stuff, like for what I delivered. Yeah. <laughs> Did not plan ahead. Yeah. The planning ahead part, I think like literally is so helpful. And then, so bringing it back to mindset with labor, um, Obviously there's a lot of fear I know involved with, with the process, especially if you've never done it before. Um, what do you guys tell women, um, is most important, like most important parts to, um, pushing or being prepared for labor, like assuming it's not a scheduled C-section or that they are going to attempt to have a vaginal birth, um, what to expect, 
I know I found it really helpful to, um, like all the parts of the course where you talked about how your partner could support or what to look for in contractions and, um, just the different laboring positions. There's just so much there that obviously we don't have a five hour course to, to give to people right now, but kind of the major things to at least educate yourself on, um, before you go into it. I mean, I keep it really simple. I just tell patients that I want them to think about what kind of birth they want to have, like think about what their desires are and what their wishes are and what would be ideal for them, but also to just go into it with an open mind and not meaning like just do what other people say at the hospital and just, I mean, like have an open mind that like it's your body and you've never done this before and you actually don't have control of everything. It's like parenting. I don't have control of everything anymore. That was just the beginning of it, labor. And you, you just don't have control of a lot of things after, yeah. right? But like you're anticipating different scenarios and having an open mind and knowing that it's okay to ask questions and say like, what are my options when you're in labor? Mm. Um, I don't get so hung up on like the movements and the positions yeah. and the pushing, but maybe that's because I was a labor and delivery nurse for, for like seven years. And that was my job. Like, that's what I did with patients was coach them. I didn't, ex I never expected anybody to know that when they showed mm. that was my job helpful. Them and help them and coach them and, and tell them what they could, you know, push harder. Or, let's try this position or let's get up and get moving. So I guess, I don't know. I get stuck on that. Yeah. I mean, there's bit. two things that I was thinking of slightly different than you um, when you asked that question, Garrett is one piece of it is understanding that the pain you experience in labor is the only time in your life where you're experiencing pain and it's not telling you necessarily that something's wrong. Right. Ooh, that's crazy cool. Right. It's like good pain. It's normal, but it's, but our minds right. are wired, right? We're talking about mindset. Our minds are wired to identify pain as a problem, mm -hmm. right? And so to all of a sudden think that you're going to show up on labor and delivery when you go into labor, you know, with the mindset that this pain serves you a purpose without ever practicing the mindset of like this labor pain serves a purpose. Labor pain is, is productive. Um, labor pain is an indication of something good without ever practicing that mindset, you're setting yourself up for failure in that sense, right? So, and that doesn't, that could be whether you're planning medicated birth or unmedicated birth, right? No matter what, our brain, our, our, our human brains are wired to think that pain is a bad thing. And that makes sense, right? It's serving us a purpose in our life outside of giving birth. Um, so I think that's one piece of it is really practicing whether that's through mantras, through some mindfulness um, practice, through meditation, that this, the pain that you are going to experience in labor serves a purpose, right? Mm. Um, so I think that's one piece of it in terms of preparation. Um, and also like your partner understanding that is really important too, because your partner's reaction to you being in pain is going to be, I need to, I will do anything to make this better for you, Right. Um, and, and, and so it is, it, it's actually doing that with your support people, with your partner. Um, and then the other piece of it is that understanding that, and again, this is sort of like circling right back to the beginning, but understanding that there are a million right ways, journeys to birthing your baby. And not one of them is the end all be all right way. Not one of them is the perfect way. They're all good, right? Mm -hmm. It doesn't matter if you, 
you know, deliver in the car or, you know, have a planned C-section or push for five hours and have the unplanned C-section or a vacuum delivery, right? Like that, that was just your journey to get there, but that doesn't make your experience any different than the person who had the vaginal delivery without any complications. That doesn't make you any less worthy of motherhood. That doesn't make you any less worthy of your child's love, right? Like, mm. and, and really understanding that you don't beat yourself up over how your delivery goes. If it goes slightly different than the way that you envisioned or had planned that you can mm. still be a great mom you know, that you're still worthy of your child's love without things going exactly as you had planned, you know? Mm. Um, and I think that's really important because I don't think that people's labor, like how many people do you think their labor goes exactly as they have planned, right? Yeah. Like probably a pretty low percentage, exactly the way you have planned, right? Exactly. Um, <laughs> right. But like, but you can still really enjoy the journey, even if it doesn't go as planned. Um, and that's the piece where Emily, you know, I think that's, you know, the piece where, that Emily brought into this is really important is that just understanding that you can have a plan, but it's also okay if it doesn't exactly go that way. And yeah. just, and just having an open mind about it. You can also have a labor that you fucking love. Like, that's the other thing that I don't think people talk about enough. It, and I, and I understand that everybody's experience, like there are traumatic births and I am by no means putting down those situations. Like there are people who have traumatic births and there are things that we absolutely need to be doing better um, from a healthcare perspective in that standpoint. But there are also people who fucking love the labor and delivery experience. I mean, you're talking to two of them. Yeah. I fucking loved my delivery. <laughs> loved yeah. it. I mean, oh. to her, my labor nurse is one of my best friends, had three kids before me. Her first delivery was horrific. Um, and I was pushing and I said to her after pushing, you know, my second or third time, I could like literally, I had this like wonderful epidural where I could literally feel the baby, like moving, like out of my uterus and like into the, into the birth canal. And I, and I looked at her and I was like, Annie, this is so cool. And she looked at me dead serious. And she was like, there's something seriously fucking wrong with you. Like there's <laughs> nothing cool about this. Um, and yeah, I just had... I had an amazing labor experience. I, I fucking loved it. Like after I delivered my first daughter before my placenta was even delivered, I looked at my husband and I was like, babe, you're going to think I'm crazy. And he was like, what? And I was like, I want to do it again. He was like, are you, did you just see what happened here? Like you're out of your fucking mind. I was like, it was just so cool. It was yeah. so cool. There's uh, some birth stories, but yeah. I feel like nobody talks about them. Yeah. Mostly you just, there, I know, and like Jamie said, I'm not going to diminish the ones that don't go well because they exist, but there are so many that go so well and nobody takes the time to share them. Right. Yeah. I loved my deliveries also. Yeah. You know, I loved pushing. I did not plan this, but both doctors at the time were like, reach down and deliver your baby. And I was like, oh. okay. And I like pulled them out myself. But like, I had really oh. good deliveries too. And yeah. it was awesome because I had horrific pregnancies. Right. So like maybe my silver lining was labor and delivery, but, um, I just like, I love a good birth story. Yeah, I too. love when people take the time to share a good birth story. And I also, and again, to come back to like people whose deliveries don't go as plans, or maybe they do have a traumatic birth. I also really want Emily and I take the time to talk to those people too, 
because I think one of the things that we could do better is like debriefing yeah. deliveries that yeah. don't go as planned. We need right? to debrief. Um, and really taught and really, and really breaking down the barrier between patients and providers on the communication that happens after delivery and like mm. really like talking to patients about how their delivery went we and how they feeling. always debrief in mom survival guide. Like that's yeah. the first thing we do with new moms is we're like, we want to debrief that delivery. Like right. what went down? Tell us the story. Yeah. Oh, and wow. it's like a horny icebreaker. It's like somebody needs to have you relive it and talk about it. I mean, it's oftentimes the first time that parents have, are ever yeah. sharing their birth story, yeah. right? Good or bad. And there is something very liberating about that. It's a, there's also something very wrong with that, that we're the first well, people right. that get the story out of them. And it's <laughs> like six weeks postpartum. Yeah, I agree. They haven't told the story to one person. Yeah. That's yeah. messed up. Yeah. It's a lot to carry, especially if it didn't go well. Like, right. That's, um, what other time in your life you're having such like a physical, emotional, mental life event happen in your life and nobody's talking to you about it. Yeah. I I think about it on the, in the sense of like, if someone breaks their arm or they get a concussion, it's like all your friends are calling you. And I know this because I had like a traumatic teeth incident last summer. Everyone's like, how are you doing? Are you okay? When I was like, guys, I'm fine. Like, and I really was, it was traumatic, but I was fine. And I'm like, oh yeah, like that's going to happen with the baby. And everyone's like, can I hold the baby? Can I hold the baby? Not like, how are you? Unless it's someone that's. Karen, how are your boobs? How are you? How's your butt? <laughs> yeah. So I just appreciate you guys bringing that up because that goes back to so much of the preparation we can do mentally. And you guys addressed, I think a really big thing, which is fear, um, fear of how it will go, how, how it won't go and all of that stuff. The two other fears that we just briefly started to touch on, but the two other fears that, um, had come up for me. And that also, I just hear from my friends and, um, pregnant people are tearing during birth and the postpartum phase. And, um, I can share both of those. I was worried about, um, I have a friend who had a magical birth and she's like, yeah, I didn't tear. And I was just like, fine. And everything's good. Um, and then, you know, family members that have had awful, like had to have surgeries after. So it's like, okay, that's scary. And then, um, what I really appreciated was you addressing the fear of not fear of, but how to prepare for postpartum with your support people, because, I was worried my fiance would just assume I was good. And after your boot camp, he was like, okay, so these are what I'll look, this is what I'll look for. And this is how I'll check in with you. And I was like, oh, I feel so supported just knowing, just having the conversation, right? So is there anything specific on either tearing or postpartum you guys want to add to those fears specifically? I mean, tearing, I feel like it's coming back to this theme of like what you, you just listed the two extremes, right? Like I yeah. feel so much of what we talk about, especially related to parenting are the extremes, right? I didn't tear at all and I needed surgery. Well, guess what? The majority of people, right, live in the, live in the middle where you actually just have a normal tear. And Which it doesn't is like require- a first degree tear. It's like- Right, first or second degree. Yeah, like very minimal. You don't yes. even really know that it happened in delivery. Right. They put heals properly. It heals properly. Yeah. It's gone at six weeks. Right. Like it's not a big deal. Right, right. Yeah, like I think that there's- just understanding that oftentimes the things that you hear about are the extremes, right? And that, and that the truth or what happens majority of the time is something in the middle, right? So, so there is the possibility of either one of those extremes and it's, and, and, and also addressing like things that you can do to sort of prepare for that. Um, and again, you know, I think it is feeling comfortable with having this conversation with your provider or whoever your support people are, right? 
but like specifically at tearing, there are things that you can do, um, to help, you know, prepare for and minimize tearing. Um, like there are, you know, um, stretching exercises and like massage to your perineum, which is, you know, basically like the bottom portion of your vagina. During pushing, we would used to use lubrication or like a coconut oil. You can put warm compresses on the perineum while a patient is pushing to help the tissue. Yeah. So as soon as you can be doing during pregnancy and even like requesting um, or talking to your provider about ahead of time for when you are pushing, um, to help minimize tearing too. Um, a lot of that is like the standard of care at certain hospitals. Right. So I think it's a great question to ask the provider. Right. Mm. They might say to you, yep, that's like every room has that. That's what our nurses do. Right. Versus they might say, oh, like you can bring stuff. So right. yeah. it's always worth asking. And also understanding that I, I would like to think that the majority of your providers want you to have minimal to no tearing, right? So they're going to do everything in their power to help that. I know, right? I think people never actually think about that though. Like as a provider, we would like you to have minimal tearing. Like a a bad tear is not pleasant for the provider to repair. I mean- Or like a major abdominal, like I think people assume that, oh, we'll just do a C-section. That's easier. Like actually it's not. It's a lot more work. It's a lot harder. There's a lot more that goes into it. Everybody wants a nice vaginal delivery. I also want problem. to understand, I and I know that I'm not unique in this, like as a labor and delivery nurse, if I could come out of my patient's room, only pushed, you know, for 20 or 30 minutes and had a first degree tear or no tearing, I'm like, just had another, you know, patient deliver her first baby and only pushed for 20 minutes and only had a first degree tear or no tearing. And it's like, I'm fucking pumped too. <laughs> I want that for you too. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and I don't think that I'm a, I don't think I'm a unicorn. I'm not in that aiming mindset. for a four hour push right. with a really like, you know, with four steps and a bad no. chair or something like right. nobody wants that. Right. But I think it's also just like understanding that mindset of your providers too, is that they, they really are on your team also, no matter what your provider looks like, right? That's your labor and delivery nurse, OB, midwife, doula, like everybody does want the same outcome for you. Best outcome for you, best outcome for the baby. Um, mm-hmm. But there are things, again, this isn't something that you can just like leave up to the gods to figure out. Like there are things that you can do to prepare. Same with postpartum, you know, like there's, um, and, you know, I think we already talked about the support systems and, and asking people for their real honest experiences, right? Not in a jaded way, um, not in a, you know, pointing fingers kind of way, just like, what was your experience postpartum? What was really hard? Mm-hmm. What helped make it better, yeah, right? Make it better. Um, and like, what did you really love about it, right? Like, because what some people really loved about it is probably going to be really different than what you think, you know, mm-hmm. um, or, or is going to be different for everybody. And what was really hard is going to be really different for everybody. Um, but getting some support around like what actually helped people when it was hard or things didn't go the way that they had planned is the key, is the key, right? Is having those honest conversations and really, and getting to the root of what, what actually helped and what made you feel better and what helped you, you know, come out of that hard experience or hard time. Um, cause I think those are the things that you can really hold on to as an expecting mom or a new mom to be like, okay, like, I know that this could be hard, but this, I also know how I can try and make it better. Yeah. The, um, 
the part of your boot camp where you actually pull out a breast pump and you're like, this is how you use it. Like, I was like, okay, yeah, because I don't, I was too scared to take it out of the box. It was actually my fiance who was like, you know, like you got to like open the box at some point. Like, I was like, well, maybe I don't, maybe I will like, maybe I'll just use, you know, maybe I'll just feed on demand or whatever. And so there's just things that you don't, it's like your boobs are like their own technology and you don't really know how they're going to work till the milk's in. So it's like, I don't know. I don't want to think about it. Um, but just being prepared in the, the like tactical logistical way, uh, way is helpful. And then the support people I think is huge. And you guys talked about, you know, decide what's going to be helpful, whether that's like the meal delivery or, um, napping or whatever that looks like, but like no judgment, just how do you want to get to this phase? And I think for me, just understanding it's going to be a phase yeah. is huge and not trying to just somehow maintain like my, my normal life. Mm -hmm. Like what, it, what is that? Um, yeah. so I'm wondering if you guys have any, um, perspective on, lactation consulting, sleep training, or, um, like night nurses and, and how people should maybe think about those types of things or when they should. Yeah. I mean, I think they're all great things to be thinking about in terms of lactation. The biggest thing that I like to tell people is that you don't have to have a problem just to see a lactation consultant. I mean, part of what we do in our team of lactation consultants is more than half of the moms that we see are not having a problem. Like we are going in in the first week home to like weigh their baby, help them with a the feed, show them how to set their pump up, yep. talk to them about swaddling and sleep routines and answer all of those new parent questions. Yep. I mean, obviously we have the training for the things that are complicated or when things aren't going well, but you don't have to wind up in this colossal shitstorm to call yep. in help. Yep. So for all of those things, it's actually sort of like lining up what you can and what you want to right away and in advance so you can set yourself up for success. And a good lactation consultant is going to make you feel good about the decisions that you're making, right? Mm. Like a good lactation consultant should never make you feel bad about using formula if that's something that you have to do or you want to do, right? Like, so there are, a good lactation consultant is going to support you in a non-judgmental way. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that's like hugely important. Again, understanding that the way that you feed your, there's a million different ways to feed your baby and not one way is the exact right way to do it. Um, so I think that's really important. That's for anybody, right? Like even a sleep consultant or a night nurse, like it can't be somebody who's judgmental. It can't be somebody who's really set in their ways and won't do anything, anything and won't do anything differently. Right? Like it really is about assessing exactly where you are at and understanding what's going to make your unique situation better by coming up with a unique plan for your situation, you know, right. um, are there like generally things that, you know, could help majority of people, everybody? Sure. But like the plan is going to be a little bit different based on everybody's unique situation. Right. Um, so no matter who you're reaching out to for support with that, it has to be somebody who you can support you in a non-judgmental way. And it has to be somebody who you like and trust. I actually right? think your core services postpartum are having a lactation consultant CEO, joining a peer support group. Yeah. And there was one other thing that I was going to say, and it just totally slipped my mind. Mental health person? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, I that you're going with that, but. <laughs> <laughs> Hello. But it's like, you have somebody that can help you feed your baby, whatever you're doing. The logistics. You exactly. You need to be about. in a group of other women or peers that are going through the same thing as you in real time. Yeah. That's key. It's real time. Yeah. 
their babies are the same age as you and you need a professional person that you can turn to when you're not feeling great rather than waiting to this deep dark place of anxiety yeah. or depression and then you're like scrambling to make a connection with somebody right be connected mm -hmm. Right. You know, so that if you need them, you can call them. Everybody feels overwhelmed at some point in time after they have a baby. Everybody. If, mm -hmm. if somebody tells you they're not overwhelmed after having a baby, they're just flat out lying to you. Um, <laughs> or themselves. But... Or themselves. Yeah. yeah. But, but yeah. So, and, and everybody experiences that overwhelm in different ways. Is it anxiety? Is it depression? Is it mm -hmm. OCD? Right? Like there's yeah. all these different ways that you can experience it. So having the, I think the part that we glaze over often is like the mental health support and and every, I wish that was just standard of care. Everybody needs yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. I, I want to kind of segue into, um, how people can like work with you guys or access you because I mean, an hour in people know you're the experts, like you guys <laughs> are very thorough in everything you do, not just from like hands-on real experience in the hospital, but in your own business and the way you're taking it out of the hospital and educating people. So, um, obviously I've already said the name of your company in the intro, but talk to us about just how you guys operate and what your business entails. Cause there's a lot to it that, um, can support people in so many different ways. Yeah. So I think the way that Emily and I like to talk about our business is like in a couple different buckets, the first bucket being like this prenatal education and support. So supporting women and families um, during their pregnancy. And that's, the, you know, you've already talked about the pre-baby bootcamp um, and so many things, it makes me so proud. So many of the things that you say, like so happy that <laughs> yeah, this like, is like how you, yeah, <laughs> like experience this program. It just, this is like so many things that you said are like what we envisioned when we started pre-baby bootcamp. And it just, oh, it makes me so happy. So thank you for that, Garrett. Of course. Um, but yeah, like pre-baby bootcamp, that's our like, you know, in-depth, um, you know, uh, covers soup to nuts, everything you need to know from pregnancy through labor and delivery, newborn care, breastfeeding, pumping, bottle feeding. And then as you mentioned, like <laughs> other things that no one talks to you yeah. about, like parenting advice, how to work with your partner, how to tag team, how to talk to each other. Yeah. Some real life stuff. Yeah. So it's really combining like the medical stuff with the real life stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, and then in, in addition to that, um, or separately from that, we do also offer the support groups for pregnant moms. So the pregnant mom survival guide, um, and that's just to provide this like ongoing support for families, um, and women and families, you know, starting it off during pregnancy so that you have these same people, um, again, your people, right. To rely on during the postpartum phase. So we're really trying to connect. It's not just about providing education and support from us. It's also connecting you with other people who mm -hmm. are having similar experiences, right? Um, Cause there's so much, I feel like there's, you feel so empowered when you're surrounded by other people who are experiencing the same thing as you. Um, and then you sort of go into the next bucket of the postpartum support, right? So that's, you know, the lactation consulting, um, daytime and overnight nursing care, sleep consulting, and then the peer support groups for the new moms or the veteran moms um, or the working moms, right? So we have, you know, our mom survival guides for the new veteran and working moms too. Um, but again, providing you, it's the same concept, right? We're still providing you with a space to get the education and support that you need from a medical standpoint, um, but also providing you with that sense of community um, by surrounding you with the right people. Um, so those are like, I feel like the two big buckets in terms of like the actual 
services that we provide, but then it's all sort of encompassed in our online membership program, Nurture by Naps, um, which is all online. So anybody can join from anywhere. It's self-paced. Majority of the content is there is like short, you know, video shorts or longer master classes um, or downloads. Um, but those are all, you know, pre-recorded and self-paced. But then we also have all these really cool live features to yeah. it where you can come to a live Q&A with Emily or I, or one of our nurses. You can come to a live workshop or guest speaker. We've had, you know, we've had Emily Oster on a few times, which yeah. has been really cool. There's an um, ask a nurse feature. You can post yeah. a question on the board and within 24 hours, somebody will answer it. But I was thinking earlier when you said you went to the doctor and you had five questions that didn't get answered. <laughs> we can answer is, those. <laughs> well, that is unacceptable that that happens and right. people will show up at the live Q&A right. or they'll show up on the message board and say like, these are my questions. Right. And a registered nurse or nurse practitioner is going to answer you yeah. and let you know. Right. So. Wow. Yeah. So I think it's just, again, like the overarching theme for all of it, right? The, the classes, the support groups, the one-on-one -on -one visits, the membership is like, Let's provide you with a safe, non-judgmental space to get educated, to get support from people who know what the fuck they're talking about, but aren't going to make you feel bad about your unique situation or parenting decisions, right? Um, and also provide you with a space where you're connecting with other people who understand what you're going through because peer support is so important from a mental health perspective and having that mm. connection with people, especially now, right? Um, yeah. So, so yeah, so yeah. I think- I love that you had a, you have like veteran moms and you also have working moms because it's just such a different, um, ball game in different ways, like neither good nor bad. I just, I had a really kind of crazy moment mentally. I think I was around 21, 22 weeks. And I realized between my mom, my grandma, my, uh, stepmom, my two best friends my, that have had babies. Um, and then like sister-in-law, like everyone had the baby and stayed home. And I've just had a deep knowing that like, that's not what I want to do. So I have like, you know, now I have you guys, um, but I also have, you know, Instagram people that like, I don't really know, but like, you know, I can sort of feel like I know them because they're working, but like how much of that is real. And then actually I, in case she doesn't want to be named someone that worked with you guys, um, she is my working mom friend, but she had a really strict, uh, thing where she had to go back really early and like, wouldn't have done that if she didn't have to. So it's just such a hard, um, thing to maneuver. So having that support group, I think is beautiful that you're empowering, uh, women that way. But I was going to ask you, speaking of, of that friend, um, I, so you guys are both, are you guys both still going to people's homes and serving as lactation consultants? Or are there other people in your company that do that? Yeah. So at this point, um, Emily and I do sometimes still do visits. That's not the majority of how we spend our days now. Um, so on our team now we have eight lactation consultants. Maybe more, yeah. Um, wow. putting me on the spot. I'd have well, to count. A couple are on maternity. Yeah, yeah. So we'll call it eight right now. <laughs> Um, yes. so we have, and, and everybody on our team is a registered nurse at a minimum, right? So like they have to have experience as a registered nurse as working in maternal child health. So working with, you know, pregnant and pregnant and new moms, um, working with families, newborns. Um, and then in addition to that, they may also be a nurse practitioner. Like Emily is a family nurse practitioner. We have a pediatric nurse practitioner on our team. Um, our lactation consultants are all certified in lactation. Mm. Um, so we're just sort of like building upon that, that initial experience of being a registered nurse. 
Um, so yes, we have about eight lactation consultants who work on our team and then about another 20 registered nurses wow. um, who provide the daytime and overnight nursing care. Um, and then also our yeah. whole team, both lactation consultants and nurses, you know, do education with us. They also um, do stuff on our membership, you know, like the live, live webinars and Q and A's, or we'll do one-on-one -on -one calls with people, or we do a ton of um, corporate stuff too. Um, we work with companies to provide them with better benefits for their parent employees. Um, so yeah, so there's, you know, Emily and I sort of have always had our hand in a little bit of everything. And obviously at different stages in our business, we're doing more of the, you know, client facing stuff. Um, and we've taken a step back from that a little bit, but that's never something that you and I will totally give up because right. way that's too hard. <laughs> way too hard. And that's what our I nurses love. are amazing. Like yeah. they're just like us. They oh, yeah. love moms and babies. A lot of them have kids and they just, they have that non-judgmental oh, yeah. like, real life advice piece to their care also. Yeah, for sure. I think there's something that gives people peace of mind that the, the nursing background. I think that that just says so much about where someone's coming from when they give advice or how they could help you understand. Maybe you have, I'm going to say it wrong, but is it mastitis? Is that how you say it? Mastitis. 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 Um, but like being able to not to really be like, have the medical ground to stand on when they're helping. Um, I know like that would really kind of help my fiance, like trust anybody. And it kind of made me think, um, of something else I wanted to ask, which is, you know, with COVID, a lot of people who had doulas like myself are told like, Oh, by the way, you can just have your partner and that's it. And for a while I was like, oh, but I like, I really like her. And I feel like she was going to be really helpful. I didn't feel like my doctors wanted her there, but I was kind of like pumped to have her. And now like, as far as it like today stands, she wouldn't be able to come in. But Emily, hearing you speak about just, you're like, I am the coach. Like I'm getting you in different positions when I'm in there. Like knowing that nurses are really prepared for that. Do you guys feel like there's a certain element or importance for people to have a doula? Or do you really feel like, like, especially people like me that may have thought about having one or had one that now can't, they're like, you shouldn't worry because they have you guys, well, not you guys actually, but people like you. Yeah. It depends I on like where you're delivering yeah. and what kind of birth you want and how much like support you really want. Like there are, there are very like valid reasons Abadula and they're another yeah. member of the team. Right. I actually just think, again, it goes back to our model of care and like, and when you look at like how things are structured, it's a shame that every hospital just doesn't have doulas on staff. Agreed. You know, we've, we've talked with doulas before that are on staff at hospitals in other states, meaning like when you're in your delivery room, you just want a good team of people with eyes on you, whether it's your doctor, a resident, it could be a medical student yeah. or a nurse with a nursing student, it could be a doula. Everybody on that unit has a love for moms and babies and they're studying it and they're putting their lives into it. And so to have extra support, like why not? Right. You know? Yeah. I mean, I think like, specifically too, to the times that we're living in right now with COVID and, and maybe feeling like you have a little bit of lack of support. One is like, you don't, the solution isn't necessarily like put all the eggs in the basket that your nurse is going to be the one to do that for you. Right. And I'm saying that as knowing what's going on in the hospital systems and nurses um, being really overloaded right now and knowing that you're probably not going to be the only patient that your, that your nurse is taking care of. Like the point of the doula, right? The thing that makes a doula different than a nurse or anybody else on your medical team is that they are continued labor support. Mm -hmm. It means that they're, they're at your bedside all the time. And it's unlikely that your nurse will be able to do that, right? Yeah. Um, 
again, that's like, we could go on a tangent about how, you know, the, the hospitals need to do better in taking care of their nurses, but, um, but right. So like, so, so if you can't have that, then what's your next best option? Well, your next best option probably is your partner, right? Mm -hmm. So then what can your doula do to help prepare your partner for the, for, for what you'll need in terms of labor support, right? Because they'll be your continuous labor support. Um, so I think that again, that's an important piece. Um, and then, yeah, also understanding that like, there are going to be members on your medical team, whoever it is, who this, this isn't their first rodeo, right? Like you're not going to show up onto labor and delivery. And that's the first time a nurse is taking care of a labor <laughs> patient, right? Like that would never happen. Um, they know what they're doing. Um, and so, you know, having that structure to be like, like, Hey, I need a little bit more support around this or like this, these are my plans. And I know like, I'm definitely open-minded, but like, I would love your help in, in supporting this plan, like as best as we can so that I have the best outcome. My baby Listen, has and never outcome. turn down a nursing student. They're <laughs> I, the best. They really are the best. The students, they come up on the unit and they get assigned a patient yeah. and that's continuous laboring support. Yeah, it is. You're getting this like young, eager soul that just yep. cannot wait to be a nurse. Yep. And all they know how to do is get you ice chips, help you with your breathing, yeah. warm up your heat pack, yeah. fetch your nurse when you need something. Yes. Like that's, that's a great person <laughs> to take. Don't ever say no to a nursing student. <laughs> no, Emily and I Trust taught nursing students. One. We've hired, you know, nursing students They're who we've best. taught and graduated. They're like, yeah, nursing students can be really fucking awesome. People often hear the word student. They're like, Ooh, I don't want a student. It's like, they're not going to like put Do your anything. IV in and yeah. deliver your baby. They're literally there to just watch your baby come out, but they want to like, they want to help you. Yeah. They want to fetch uh-huh. things. You yeah. know, they want to yeah. help you. Yeah. So yeah. I totally agree. I yeah. love that. I didn't think about that at all. And, you know, bringing it back to your course, like my partner, Jeff, like he really felt so empowered. Like the other day he was like, Oh yeah. Like the hip squeeze, like, cause we practice it, you know? And like, yeah. he, and then like two nights yeah. ago, Jamie, you'll laugh. He brought up your story about the dishes that you told. I don't know if you remember telling it, but I asked him something. I'm like, is this a new thing where I like take your plate to the, he goes, if you're not feeling happy about that, you should tell me. Otherwise you're going to ha- feel like Jamie or something. So yeah. anyway, making, just- up <laughs> <in your head. laughs> yeah. making up stories in your head. Yes. And, um, just so many, there are just so many positive things that came out of that. And I I keep thinking about it and reflecting on it because it was so, it's been such an impactful thing for us, like in, and having both people be on the same page. And this is coming to me because you were talking about how like maybe my doula could prepare him, but I'm like, I feel like you guys prepared him. So thank you for that. Um, and I, I guess maybe, um, for the people listening and I, I, I randomly share a due date with a lot of, um, women in Boston, uh, from th- that I met through Barry's boot camp, And this is actually going to be dropping on my due date, which is pretty cool, but I have a ton of friends in the Midwest who are pregnant. And I'm wondering if you just have any advice on where they could maybe begin their journey with you. Cause you mentioned the different buckets and then potentially, I don't know where the plans are, but you have a podcast you may be launching. Uh-huh. Yeah. So I would start the journey with following us on Instagram because why the fuck not? Um, at nurture by naps. Yep. We, I mean, put out a lot of content there and real life stuff. Yeah. Like if you just want to know a little bit about Emily and I, you can certainly learn about us there. It's all about us and our business and our kids and, you know, content for pregnancy and parenting. Um, but a cool thing, and I'm sure Garrett, you've seen this on Monday nights we do on Instagram, we do a thing called moment for mom where people can just ask us questions about anything related to pregnancy, parenting, sleep, feeding, 
Um, and we just answer questions for an hour in our feed. Um, and I know that people love that. Like we hear from moms all the time. They're like, I read it at three o'clock in the morning when I'm breastfeeding my baby, you know? Um, so I think that's like such a great place to start. And then, yes, we do have, um, you know, talking about like interacting with us for free. We do have a podcast coming out. We don't have a launch date yet, but it'll definitely be by the end of March. So if you want to um, be in the loop in terms of when that launch date will happen, then Instagram will be the place to find out about that. Um, but then, yeah, and then depending yeah, on where you're at, camp because I was going to say, depending on where you're at in your yeah, we mail journey. you like a curated box yeah. to your house. You can be anywhere in the country, really the world to do it. Yep, you can show up live. It doesn't. It's not curriculum based on where you live or what hospital it's, yeah. it's just the stuff that any parent needs to know yeah yeah so if you're pregnant definitely pre-baby boot camp um and if you're postpartum then maybe one of our mom's survival guides those are also virtual too anyone from anywhere can join mm -hmm. emily and i randomly had moms living in lebanon in our groups which is kind of cool Canada, texas california texas, yep um, so yeah, so really, yeah, I have a mom in my group right now who's in Florida. So really you can be anywhere to join those two. That's the, I will absolutely say that's the one positive thing that has come out of COVID is that we can now support so many people in so many different places because, um, of our virtual offerings. So I think that's a great one. And then any stage of parenting, our, our membership program, Nurture by Naps. Um, I mean, that's really meant to be your like talk about like continuous support. Like that's meant to be your continuous ongoing support mm -hmm. um, from pregnancy through, we um, will be launching this spring. It's gonna go through three years of age. So wow. your kids are off to school, we're like done. I don't know how much we yeah. can support you beyond that. I mean, I'm <laughs> kidding because our kids are older than that, but, but that's what our membership program will go to is three years. So depending on your parenting stage, there's a bunch of different ways to interact with us. Um, some free, some paid for, but Emily and I joke all the time, like we're super accessible, maybe even like a little too accessible <laughs> sometimes, but we really are. That's the point. Like, we don't want to be the people providing content and you can't actually like talk to us. to us or get in touch with us. Um, because you know, we understand as moms, like you actually do want that individualized support sometimes. And we can give that to you too. Yeah, that's amazing. I am really personally excited for your podcast because you guys are <laughs> awesome and you play off of each other so well. And entertainment for you. <laughs> and I, I also think the course is great because um, speaking to like Instagram, it's like you can piecemeal and like save posts, but then you're like, ah, oh, where is that post? And then like, I don't have a, when like you're gifted five baby books, you're like, oh, so I have a stack here. I really just need to know one thing right now. So it's just awesome to like have that as a resource. I wanted to highlight that that you guys have. And I guess maybe to close, since you guys have kind of shouted out where they can find you on social media um, at Nurture by Naps, which I'll put in the show notes as well. Um, what are you guys excited about? What are you looking forward to over the next couple of years for the space you're in and the way you're empowering people? I mean, I'm just like so excited for everything because our business is growing now that we have Nurture by Naps and we can reach women from all over and we truly are. So I'm just like very excited to see where that takes us because it's like a snowball going down a hill and it's getting bigger and it's really exciting. Yeah. I mean, the fact that our reach is, you know, we just rebranded in December as Naps and we dropped the Boston, um, you know, prior to that we were Boston Naps because our reach is, is so far beyond, you know, just Boston and Massachusetts at this point. And that is really, really cool and exciting. Um, 
collaborating with other like-minded individuals is actually like something that's really exciting to me too. Like, hence, you know, why we're on this podcast with you, Garrett, um, because I think there's something really empowering in that. And then I am, you know, I am, I am hopeful or at least want to be part of the conversation around making um, healthcare better, maternal child health care better um, here in the United States. Um, and and I, I'm excited at the potential of us like actually being able to be like a contributing factor to that, whether that's through mm-hmm. companies, you know, taking on our services or more services to help better support um, women and families in the yeah, workplace. Wellness, just getting their employees better yeah. there. Or, you know, changing the conversation around um, you know, your medical team and, um, and how healthcare is presented to you or provided to you. Um, those are things like big, like really big picture that get me really excited about having like a really impactful change on the world and on women and children. Like it just, I don't know, that could just be, if we can impact that space in any way, that would be fucking amazing. I agree. What a, what a strong note to end on. I feel like you guys are already doing that and it's obviously been hugely impactful in my life and my partner's life. And I'm excited to kind of see where, where you guys, uh, take off to, because it, like you said, you're all over the country already. So, um, it'll be exciting to see it grow and that's the whole journey. I know. (laughs) I'm just really grateful for you guys. Thank you so much for your time, your wisdom. Well, thank you so much for having us, Garrett. This is seriously so awesome. Yeah, thank you so much.